Hello, everyone. Hello. Uh, it's it. I have... Wait a minute. Uh, we're here for a, for a, a rail natter. <laughs> Hooray. Oh, uh, how's the sound balance? Is it well? Everyone everyone hear me nice and clearly? Let's get my uh, big face up. What a, what a week we've had. I have a pint of um, Dina's uh, Elderflower Cordial, which is very nice indeed, actually. Oh, very, very pleasant. Very nice. Uh, I'm going to put this machine off. That's my work laptop. That's off. And, oh, what an episode it's going to be. We've been waiting for this for a long time, haven't we? Um, I feel a bit lonely. I've enjoyed having guests on. But uh, what did we do last week? What, what what even was last week? What was last week's episode, everyone? Uh, was it? Was last, ah, no, last week's episode was Freight, wasn't it? It was uh, History of Freight with with, uh, with Ian. That was, that was very good, yeah. I enjoyed that a lot. Oh. So, <laughs> what a bizarre start. I've forgotten what I do. What do I do for these again? Oh, yeah, right. Uh, I've got the windows open uh, because it's glorious outside. Mixed feelings on the, the rain earlier, but... um, Yeah, yeah, I know, right? It's uh, it's happening. I'm here saying hello. So, right, back to zero face. Episode 72, we're going to talk about... Um, we're not going to talk about anything. We're going to bring up the... This is the, It'll be the first time that I'm actually flicking through it properly and looking at it in detail. I, I gave it a scan, but this will be the first time that I'm actually properly going through it. So we're going to have a look at the UK's transport decarbonisation plan. Find out if it is indeed a plan at all, or just a prospectus for targets. Uh, Simon, obviously you missed the first big time freight episode yet. That that was exactly what you did. So, uh, oh, also I need to do. I need to change this so that my cap. So I capture my cursor because it's a it's a page turn episode. There, the cursor has now appeared, uh, which is good. Without further ado, it's time to uh move my uh oh look at this look um look at this wait 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 i'm doing the york 10k in um this weekend it was last minute thing and i'm unbelievably unfit i will die but anyway um <laughs> without further ado let's look at this which is the latest um the latest gb rail trends the latest covid trends so uh, if i go in here and press this button I've added yellow bits there. I've added yellow bits to sort of indicate when things happen. So this hopefully makes it more interesting. Um, uh, what can I... Oh, Matteo's watching uh, this and also a presentation on the ridiculous Camden Highline. Leave the Camden Highline to become railway. It makes no sense. I'm so sorry. It's a terrible idea. Um, so schools reopen. Well, you can see, in terms of road traffic, it made no difference whatsoever. Road traffic continued doing its thing. Cycling, basically, the, this is all noise. And actually, cycling has been a stabilization from not much to about as much as there always was pre-COVID. Um, but what's interesting is bus usage, which I suppose you'd expect, right? Bus usage, schools reopened, and bus usage sort of... Well, it climbed a bit, and then and it also had much more variation... Then there was the rule of six was introduced and it dropped right down again, which I don't understand why, unless it was tying in with holidays. But the thing is, this is also normalised by previous, by by the, the last time it was pre-COVID. So it shouldn't drop for holidays. It should, unless there's a little bit of an offset, but maybe that's what's going on. Maybe there's a bit of an offset between when the holidays are, which would also explain this sort of weird artifact in the uh, in the rail numbers. Anyway, let's get rid of all that scribbling. Uh, some of them when outdoor venues opened um, again, which was, when was that? That was in, I can't remember exactly, mid-May, 16th. Anyway, that, uh, you see bus climbs. Uh, that was the last sort of jump that road climbed uh, and rail climbed as well from that point. 
Rail then did a weird thing and dropped. I can't exactly remember why that was. That was between uh, between these two dates, so kind of towards the end of April. Was that that the thing? Is that didn't tie up with the um, with the weird you know with the cracking shenanigans. Um, anyway, then buses have been sort of sat at sixty percent pretty much the whole time since, apart from a, this this sort of blip. So then, with the outdoors unlocked, didn't make much difference to anything really that everyone had kind of been living la vida loca by that point and then we've only just had the full lockdown measure removal uh, i'm doing rabbit ears although you can't see them um so any 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 thoughts or preferences on on what you're seeing uh here Very, da, da, da. things happened in england i assume oh, are we talking about the euros oh, i don't know um yeah. Oh, yeah. Lots of councils have been stripping out cycle measures. Uh, I don't. It makes me absolutely furious thinking about it, and, and angry and violent. And I'm not going to be angry or violent. What I'm going to do is take another sip of this delicious elderflower cordial, diluted juice. Mm. Oh, that's lovely. That's a way to calm oneself down. Anyway, so we await with interest what this trend because at the moment this is just dead on. the The latest figures we've got are just dead on after the the removal of measures. Although to be honest, I don't think much changed when the measures when the measure when like inverted commas Freedom Day came along. I don't think there was any difference or anything. So I don't know to what extent that's going to make a difference. It doesn't appear to have made any difference to bus travel. Actually, bus travel looks to have slightly reduced again from sixty percent downwards. Uh, let's see what happens to rail. But rail is getting dangerously close to this trend line. That was from the start of the year to the end of the year, reaching seventy-five percent. Uh, it's it's looking getting dangerously close to that trend line, and if it drops below, with that, that's a really unhealthy place for it to be because we we need to beat that. Rail needs to be beating that if it's right to do so, and I think we're getting to the point where it very much will be right to do so. Um, uh, we'll see. We, we've got to continue following those those case numbers, but uh, those 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 are is it have they reduced again for the next day? Uh, sorry for 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 another day running. I haven't actually paid attention. People can tell me. So, um, oh the the Lurgy chart, yellow things. Oh yes, I see what you mean. Uh, uh, I'm I'm with you, Gareth. I'm with you. Anyway, right. Oh, next the news. Yes, the news is here. Uh, the, the the government has released the, the DWP have released the the national disability strategy, which I think is something that we. The thing is, I'm not well qualified to pick through the whole strategy, but there are transport things that are relevant, particularly this bit, um, the stuff about um, the stuff about this audit of uh, of UK rail uh, of UK train stations. Um, this will annoy people. UK train stations. To be fair, that that is correct. I'm actually going to go with um, yeah. I'm all for that government train train stations, railway stations, same diddle. Um, yeah, this was originally announced in the GBR paper uh it's now underway yeah so when i spoke to when i met on behalf of the campaign for level boarding with chris eaton harris he talked about this audit that was going on um and i don't know to what extent it's going to include looking at platforms my guess is it will not look at platforms it's going to look at a few quite a few things um uh whether the platform has tactiles the, the little yellow lumpy bits those sorts of things fine um, so, so, and, and there is discussion about working with Network Rail. Uh, again, fine, but uh, there's a lot of talk here and not a lot of action. And I fear that this is going to be exactly the same as what we're going to see in the trans in the, uh, the the decarb report. To be honest, the, the decarb plan. It's going to be a lot of nice words, not a lot of action. Um, ugh. 
Um, oh, Ella, yes. Oh, yeah, you're right. Podcast. Well, we'll get to the podcast. Remind me when we get to the podcast bit at the end. Bob's Real Relics, you're absolutely right. An audit is one thing. Action on the audit is another entirely. Um, uh, disability campaigners have indeed been noting they've not been consulted on the document. And it's worth also pointing out, this is coming at a time when they're about to cut universal credit again, which will impact on disabled people very hard. So um, bollocks to this, frankly. It's pretty. It's It's just weasel words. If there's a chance we can exploit it to make some good stuff happen, great. I'm paying very close attention to it um, to do precisely that. So we're, I'm going to be paying a lot of close attention to this particular bit, this section they've talked about, because if there's anything that, that, that me and the Campaign for Level Boarding can do, we're going to be squeezing in there to, sque to, to get what we can out of it. But I have to say, I'm not holding up much uh, hope. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I might have been teasing some people. Well, I took a picture of um, I took a picture of this because I've been annoyed at going through York Central several days running. I don't know why I'm blurring this out. No one cares, and also everyone can just scroll back to when it wasn't blurred out. Um, I'm walking through the centre of York, and it's been getting York has been so busy recently, and um, and I was just particularly annoyed by uh, a truck just randomly parking and breaking all of the. Well, breaking the law, actually, but breaking all the parking rules. Like, we're never going to get our towns and cities to work if we allow logistics people to just break the rules with impunity. Um, so, yeah, uh, feel free to go on Twitter to enjoy the discourse that happened after this. Uh, the, the, some of the usual suspects were coming, wading in and saying, oh, you can just, oh, you know, let, let the driver do that. It's like, well, no, I don't break the law to do my job. Other people shouldn't break the law to do their jobs either. Um, otherwise, it's a free-for-all slash an actual crazy criminal underworld. Uh, but also the fact that was funny is that this this distance here is not enough to let cars through either, although it kind of half looks like it. This car had just had just gone round over the pavement to get to get through. Uh, and also this is sticking out. This is just a disaster. This is a health and safety nightmare. This is just such a shoddy manoeuvre because this is a blind... The walls are here, so you have to come through here blind... Uh, the driver, therefore, and the person helping the driver is going to get run over. They were chucking boxes out this door. It's just, it's just a calamity. And anyway, the reason I posted it on Twitter is because it started a conversation and people discussed what they think is, you know, what they th what thoughts were. And I've been talking a lot about urban logistics recently because it's something that I care about a lot and we, we do terribly in this country. Anyway, they break the rules. Thank you, Richard Smith. Break being spelt. Break as in break. Yeah, lovely. Um. Oh yeah. Look, Westminster likes electrification now. Hooray! So long as it's on a lorry. Uh, yeah, I, t I talked about it. You can go onto the Discord, actually, and listen to my interview if you can't be bothered to go and find it. Um, the uh, Yeah, the, the, the interview of me talking about these. And I maybe don't respond the way you might expect me to respond. So, um, yeah, go and have a listen. That that should be interesting for, for, for those of you who care for such things. For those of you who don't, I don't know, maybe I could go and listen to it on uh, Radio Humberside. Me and Andy Comfort had a nice chat. It was good. So, everyone's hammering the puns out. There we are. This is not a trolley lorry. Everyone is saying this is a trolley lorry. No. Trolley buses and trolley lorries have a, a hook that hooks onto trolley cables, which is an entirely different type of tra transmission to this, which is catenary plus pantograph. Stop calling it the trolley lo the lorry. That ain't what it is. Um, uh, Ella, this is fine. This is fine. We're going to talk about this more soon. Uh, stay tuned for the end of the episode where I tease next week. Anyway, right, enough of that. Ah, yes, this man. This man here. This is this is a man called... This is Christopher uh, G. Packham. Uh, he's, he's a very odd man. He picks up... Uh, 
picks up grass snakes. That they, they the grass snakes then do their slightly gross thing where they spray goo all over him, and he sniffed it, and it was horrifying. Anyway, this is a by the by. My grandparents made me watch an episode of something that he was fronting. It was absolutely horrifying. So, um, Josephine, you're absolutely a pantograph or current collector if you're on the pedant train. Well, Josephine, you're right. I am on the pedant train. It, yes. <laughs> Um, Gordon, in fact, Gordon's here as well. Gordon, you were on the, you you were sat in on the um, Periscope call I did after I'd seen the things live. You'll have to come join us next week when we talk about these. Anyway, more about that later. Christopher Packham here. Uh, Chris Packham and and also these the, the HS2 Rebellion people who have hijacked the Stop HS2 logos because Stop HS2 don't do anything anymore. Um, basically, they fought a case against to get HS2 to go before judicial review. Um, government won that case, obviously. Um, it was that case was then used as precedent against what might have been a harder case for them to fight, which was against RIS two, which is the government's massive road building program. Well, actually, it's more than that. There is there's other stuff in amongst the uh, in amongst the uh, RIS two that isn't road building, but the large part of the, the of the money being spent on RIS two is road building, and the majority of its carbon case as a result. And government, as a result of that precedent set by Chris Packham and the morons against HS two, won the RIS two case easily, and oh my goodness. Yes, so uh, this 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 is the ultimate irony of this this uh, supine fool uh, has resulted in that happening, which is very frustrating. So government, it's yet another barrier dismantled for government to press ahead with building a load of pointless um, roads. So let's move on. Ah, these two, yes, our problems. Mainly our problems are here with this this lot, but also you know, hello DFT. You have a hard lot, frankly, DFT. But you don't also do yourself any favors, which is, you know, um, makes it easy for me to to get angry at you. But let's face it, the, to make anything happen, these guys are the problem. HM Treasury, you are the problem. Now, what are they the problem for? Well, we're about to find out because these two, but particularly, so authored by this lot, authored by the DFT, Department for Transport here, authored this uh, document, but heavily doctored by um, HM Treasury, I should imagine. Um, so it's it started with the DFT and then it's gone over to Treasury, this document. It's a very important document because this is, bearing in mind that transport is the largest source of greenhouse gas emissions uh, in the UK, this document is arguably one of the most, this plan, plan, is arguably one of the most important documents that government has created. And we're going to interrogate it for the next, uh, ideally 45 minutes, but let's see how we go. Um, in tonight's Rail Natter. <laughs> City 225 fades away. Oh, it only remains for me to bring up this picture here, which is a squinty picture that I've created from Photoshop by screenshotting part of the PDF uh, to use as the background for the thumbnail, which you didn't need to know. But anyway, it's kind of half useful because it allows me to kind of point out the three things that they've talked about. Uh, and this document, from what I've looked at, is, is a bit of a battle, basically, between, um, between the DFT and people who are actually saying the right thing to be fair to them, and between Treasury and possibly also the ministers and also possibly the road lobby who've kind of got involved. I'd imagine that the, you know, the AA have probably had a look at it and got unhappy and, and the, the road freight hauliers might have looked at it and got unhappy. But the three, the, the, theoretically, the hierarchy here is um, 
Number one, accelerating modal shift to public and active transport. That is good. Yes, correct. Agreed. Number two, decarbonizing road transport. Yes, agreed. Good. And number three, decarbonizing how we get our goods. And then this is a picture of some municipal logistics with a cargo bike, cargo bike and with a train. Also good. So these theoretically are, if these are their three aims, great. But let's see how they enact them. Uh, indeed. So let me bring my miniaturized face up in the top corner. Uh, hello, everyone. I'm, I'm up here and I'm miniaturized. Um, Josephine uh, is pointing out that Shaps' opening statements are strong in words for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, well, exactly. So let, let, let's bring it up. Let's have a look. Uh, hopefully this is going to be big enough for everyone in, in the text. If you're looking at it on your phone, it might be a little small because the text is a little small in places, but hopefully this will be nice and clear. So, uh, why is it a funny angle? Because, I don't know, stylish graphic design reasons. It's not anymore. We've brought the actual report up. Also, I, I noticed this when I was sharing the picture. Oh, yeah, I can't draw on things. There's no point in me having my Wacom out anymore. Ah, oh, sad. Maybe I'll just put my Wacom away. Just slide my Wacom away. Sorry, Ella. There we are. It's gone. It's gone away. Oh, here we go. So, uh, I have to look at this thing and say things. Yeah, yeah, York. There, there, you can see it. It's a picture of York. Hooray! York Park and Ride with this electric bus. Very nice. There's an electric car. Boo. I mean, electric cars are fine. They're good. We need them. But also, they're seen as the whole solution by a lot of people. There's a lorry. There's a missing feature on here, which is... I don't see any trains in the front cover. Uh, anyway, right, moving on. Here is... So, this is weird. They've, like, pointed out what those um, cover images are. It seems a bit unnecessary. There's some, some, there's the content. So we're going to get to go through this as much and as quickly as we can. There are two parts to this. The first is, is I think, well, the first is the path to net zero. Um, and then the second is the plan in detail. So I presume it's like part one is the headline stuff. Part two is the, um, part two is the kind of the detail. And we'll, we'll try and go through both. Um, for anyone talking about that uh, electric lorries, the thread on the electric lorries, yeah, yeah, there's a, th first of all, I've already done a thread on there, go on my Twitter, you can find it, uh, secondly, stay tuned to the end. Um, this is a PDF, why, why are people saying, why is this still a PDF? It's always a PDF. Oh, uh, this is the whole point, it, 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 it's become a genre of the rail natter, hasn't it, the, uh, the old PDF page turn. So anyway, that's the contents page, let's not dwell on it. Here's, um, here's Grant Shapps doing his thing. I generally just skip over the executive summary because it's, they say a lot of stuff, but uh, Josephine's now teased it, so I kind of have to feel like I'd have to address it. Picture of some electric vehicles there. Oh, uh, how? Oh, it's long. You know what? I'm not going to give them the. I'm not going. Josephine, you've said that, and I'm. But I'm not going to read it because stuff it. Um, the, I'm going to ignore the executive chat, uh, summary, and we're going to look at the body of the report because ultimately it's the. It's not an executive summary, is it? It's the forward. We're going to look at the summary of commitments. So. Or are we maybe going to skip this as well? This is their summary of commitments. Let's skip the summary of commitments as well, because that is what we're going to come back to um, afterwards. More importantly, let's go through and see what they're saying. So skipping all that good stuff, uh, because you can download the... Oh, I should probably put a link to download the, the PDF, shouldn't I? That's all right, Josephine. Uh, it's fine. People can download the PDF and read the executive summary, but this, the, the, it's, the executive summary... Oh, no, I keep saying... Shaps's forward is his waffle. It's not the body of the report, so I'm going to ignore it. But if he was powerful on it, then all credit to him. I'm still pretty juries out on Grant Shaps, frankly. Um, right, here we go. So they're starting with the, the big guns saying that we're a climate leader. The first major economy to set legally binding carbon budgets. That is actually true. Uh, previous government, though. Uh, as in the previous, previous government. Amounts by which greenhouse gas emissions must come down and by when. Uh, yes. 
we were the first major economy to legislate to end its contribution to climate change by law the uk's emissions must now be net zero by 2050 that is also kind of true but feels kind of far away and also you know targets i've already getting the snifter that this is going to be a document full of targets and bereft of actions but there we are i mean i suppose there's only so many actions you can put into a, a pdf but uh Right, this is this is kind of the big talk before talking about the fact that we're 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 hosting uh, COP twenty six, um, conference of parties as it's called in Glasgow. Uh, there's some some kind of pre waffle, okay, waffle waffle. Transport is the largest contributor to UK domestic greenhouse gas emissions. Yes, con- responsible for twenty seven percent in twenty nineteen. Yes. Uh, international aviation and shipping are not included in this figure, which will make it worse. Absolutely so. Domestic GHG emissions from transport have been broadly flat for the last 30 years, even as those of other sectors have declined. Yeah, I've been say- I said that. I've been saying that. Um, better engine efficiency has been made up for by increasing numbers of journeys. The growth of electric and hybrid vehicles has been made up for by the growth in diesel and petrol SUVs. Absolutely. We must deliver a step change in the breadth and scale of our ambition on transport emissions to, to reach net zero. Oh, them is fighting words. Uh, yes, absolutely true. Um, yes, don't rinse dishes. Uh, don't rinse before dishwashing, everyone. Uh, Josephine, yes. Yes, you're right. Everyone has to not rinse before putting their dishes in the dishwasher. And join the Green Party, actually, according to um, Boris's former... Uh, no. Uh, spokesperson, yes. What's her name? I wanna, is it Allegra? I want to say Allegra, but then I just think of, like, Allegro, which is a, an Austin. That's very confusing. Um Someone's going to correct me in the. Uh, someone's going to pop her name in the. Come on, I'm being. I'm being mean. Her, she is the spokesperson, and I should know her name. Anyway, right. I'm getting distracted already. Uh, the need to limit global warming to well below two degrees Celsius and to pursue efforts to limiting to one point five degrees Celsius means the UK government is committed to moving as far and as fast as possible. For those listening in audio only, I moved my face upwards and blinked into the lens of the camera um this is a pace of change as well as the destination well indeed so um here's the breakdown and it's like yeah cars and taxis are just this huge chunk hgvs are 16 so 55 percent is cars and taxis 16 percent hgvs actually it's probably better for me to say it like this 55 percent is cars and taxis and 32 percent are goods vehicles that's the way to describe it. So that's a huge percentage. And then where's rail? Oh, yeah, that's right. Rail is so small that it's represented within the other section. Yeah, indeed. Well, it's prefer so is domestic aviation, but that's because we don't count international aviation anyway. And also proportionally, if you count how many people travel by air compared to the number who travel by car or by rail, uh, aviation is as damaging per percentage of mode as driving. Uh, it's actually substantially more damaging by other measures. But anyway, that's again by the by. The by. So here we are. This is talking about what they did. So they took they did a load of stakeholder engagement to, to build this report up. So this the, the, back in March 2020, they said we're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna set this. We're setting ourselves this challenge, and then this document is the is the consequence of that. They formed the Net Zero Transport Board. Uh, they, they never, I need to go and speak to them then, don't I? Right. Okay. Note to self. Right, here is a worrying sentence that I've just spotted. Given the rate of technological advancement and uncertainty in the precise mix of future zero emission solutions and the probability of significant changes in travel behaviour over the years ahead, this plan cannot precisely plot each individual step to fully decarbonise and transport modes over the next 30 years. That's a get-out-of-jail-free card if ever I saw one. Hmm, yeah, not sure how I feel about that. Um, what's the most... Have I moved the camera along a bit, or have I just rolled myself further into the corner? If I do this, I 
bit more. Thing is, I've been edging myself away because I've had my work laptop there, haven't I? Yeah. Anyway, never mind. So, uh, by the by, do at me in, by the way, if you want me to do some uh, some chatting. No, I'm not talking about Laura Koonsberg. I'm talking about, that is a government spokesperson, yeah, but uh, for different reasons. Oh, so that was a bit of a get-out-of-jail-free card. They're talking about the, the commitment to the the next carbon budget is uh, stretching carbon reduction targets up to the end of the sixth carbon budget in 2037 and by 2050. Transport needs to make a sizable contribution of these. So there is an understanding in this text. Okay, early stage text, clearly an understanding that this is important. Uh, right, so they're saying four other documents are published alongside this strategy. Oh, damn it, that's four new episodes of RailNet are there. Jet Zero Consultation, lol, no. Uh, the Non-Zero Emission HGV Phase-Out Consultation, okay. Our Green Paper on a New Road Vehicle CO2 Emissions Regulatory Framework for the United Kingdom, snappy. Uh, and the Rail Environment Policy Statement. Uh, I've not looked at the Rail Environment Policy Statement. That's probably one we're going to have to pick through at some point, isn't it? Uh, this plan and the other documents we published today are a beginning, not an end. Oh, well, indeed. Uh, they're part of a series of policy announcements, including further announcements on transport, interesting, and they're on up to COP26. Just announce them now. Stop turning them into political tools. Just announce them now so that the world can get on with, you know, so that we can get on with delivering it. Ah. These will include an overarching net zero strategy covering all sectors of the economy. Okay, grand. Lovely. Uh, fine. So they've got a little box out of COP26. We don't care about that. Structure this document. Part one represents our, uh, presents our path to net zero transport in the UK, the wider benefits it can deliver, and sets out the principles that underpin our approach to delivering it. Part two sets our commitments, sets out our commitments and the actions needed to decarbonize transport. Okay. Scope. Uh, the transport. Uh, UK, let's see, is it going to talk about who, UK government policy, Northern Ireland, yeah, okay, so it's talking about devolution to Scotland and, and a bit to Wales and, and a lot to the Northern Ireland executive. Um, so a lot of proposals, well, let's see, da, 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 da. aspects of this plan apply to the UK as a whole. In other areas, um, the plan uh, applies only to England. Um, as the uh, transport decarbonisation plan um, is implemented, we will continue to consider the views of stakeholders from across the UK. We will engage closely with devolved administrations in delivery of the plan, respecting areas of devolved competency as we jointly work towards our shared goals of decarbonising transport across the UK and achieving net zero UK-wide. Well, laudable aims. Managing whole life carbon in transport infrastructure. This is interesting. So this is a little box out they've put here. And they're saying, um, oh, d d yeah, do interject with questions if you have any, by the way. Just at me in so I can spot them. Um, yeah, Richard Smith, you're absolutely right. They should work out what we've what we'd have to do to hit net zero with current tech, and then any technological improvements from there just make the path gentler later on. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, um, uh, there's a there's a, a YouTube account called HST Trains. Hi, HST Trains, and you're saying, would you say traveling by car is less comfortable than than by train? You can get up and walk around in a train. You can't in a car. Um. So I always prefer travelling by train to travelling by car. I actually, as it happens, quite enjoy driving, quite enjoy travelling by, by car as well. But uh, I prefer, I absolutely prefer travelling by, by train. Um, that's one that you, that struggles to get a nuance across on Twitter, right? Um, alongside this plan, the Department of Transport has initiated a carbon management programme. This is this box out I was talking about a second ago. To embed an integrated system for managing whole life carbon infrastructure projects. A portfolio. Okay, this is talking about... Okay, past 2080, yeah, the, the, the industry standard for carbon management. We actually, Arcadis, actually, the company I work for, does, does quite a lot of stuff with this. We've kind of led the way on a couple of things uh, internally and, and bridge carbon assessment and a few things, which is quite interesting. Um, so this is just talking about uh, embodied carbon. Yeah, I don't, 
is this actually they're talking about embodied emissions so materials in construction manufacture vehicles uh to be, better basically to better inform that that picture that carbon picture which is right uh, it's right that they're going to do that so that's just sort of yeah um increasing the reuse repair and remanufacture in addition to design considerations such as lightweight and to further reduce weight uh, waste and emissions in respect of road vehicles yeah fair enough Right, here we go. They've put up this graph again. You remember we saw this one when we when, when G, the GBR report put in. The, the, well, we've just looked at our version of this, just looking at the last year. And you can see there, um, they've put in... It's interesting, they've broken down between HGVs and light commercial vehicles and cars. They've actually split the three out. I can't remember. I think I've got that breakdown, actually. I should probably do that breakdown, shouldn't I? Cause it's quite interesting to see that difference. Uh, that car usage is still a little bit lower. Anyway, right, I digress. Um we've talked about covid let's let's just move straight on from covid because as i've said I, in fact are they gonna uh okay are they gonna say they're relying on these they're not it doesn't look like they're as we build back to the make recovery more such as an increase in cycling we have seen an increase in cycling walking as a result of the pandemic well yeah but it's decreased back to 100 percent again so right okay let's let's move on let's look at this snazzy generic picture that um of of us going through a what is this rail tunnel Ugh. It's like it, it, it's alluding too much to Hyperloop for my liking, but I think that's like a anyway. Let's ignore that. Oh, another one. Uh, right. So part one, part one A. Vision. Clean transport is better transport. Cool. Right. I'm electric. Says this London bus here. Uh, much of the change needed to deliver net zero for the transport sector is already underway, uh, and makes sense even without the global inter- imperative of climate change. Decarbonisation will deliver fundamentally better transport for everyone every day. Makes faster, more. F- it will make fast make it faster and more efficient as well as cleaner, provide huge wider benefits, including increased reliability, better connectivity. Yep, agree with all this stuff. Good stuff. Uh, strong public support for action to remove transport emissions. Yep, that's definitely true. Uh, there's also a huge industrial opportunity, once in generation chance to increase economic growth and future prosperity. I wonder how much of this stuff they nicked out of um they nicked out of uh, Labour the Labour Green New Deal uh, documentation. Anyway. The Green Industrial Revolution, sorry, I really like that name that we that we had used and don't seem to be anymore. Uh, Josephine is saying Gadgetban Klaxon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Gordon is currently getting his head around um, embodied carbon for high-voltage works. Well, indeed. Um, oh, it's the picture of a stupid and useless people mover thing in Shanghai under the river. Hooray! Um, so, yeah, there are lots of... Uh, Callum, there are lots of electric buses around. Land use change, maybe control effort later. Yeah, I have a sneaking suspicion we're not going to see that. Uh, yeah, I'm, for anyone curious about, yeah, I'm going to be paying attention to see how much they talk about spatial planning because spatial planning ties so much into decarbonizing transport. If you build housing and retail and commercial and office estates out where you have to drive to get them, and we still are doing that, by the way, for God's sake, uh, of course people are going to drive because they don't have a choice. Nonsense. So, uh, the Teeth Valley Hydrogen Transport Hub that's no not relevant or interesting at this point sorry come back and read this report i'm not going to pick out all the box outs and i'm going to skip bits i'm going to try and scan through and, and manage it within the remaining 29 minutes we have can i do it so this is talking about the wholesale decarbonization of vehicles has begun there are already 175,000 fully zero emission vehicles in the uk um registrations increasing threefold in 2020 on 2019 uh can you tell me what percentage that is though in fact, let's just do it now. How many road vehicles in UK? Three point, uh, three, 38.6. So what was that? That's, uh, okay. 
175,000 divided by 38.6. Yeah. Uh, I think I put an extra three zeros on there. There we go. That's that's what I was looking for. Uh, so that's 0.4%. Okay. Uh, good. Marvellous. 0.4%. Uh, fully zero emissions vehicles. Wonderful. Uh, and then 200,000 plug-in hybrid vehicles. Uh, Marvellous. Um, so, uh, let's uh, hammer on. Plan expands commitments to reduce and remove use of fossil fuels from road transport. Set achievable but ambitious phase-out dates for every type of, of new fossil fuel road vehicle. When complete, we will have addressed the single biggest contributor to UK carbon transport carbon emissions and eliminated all tailpipe emissions of other pollutants. Okay. Despite the progress we've made at national and local levels, transport remains one of the largest. Yeah, we've covered this. Taking forward measures to clean the air around us, decarbonize transport, save lives, and improve health. Absolutely. Uh, there will still be particular emissions associated with road, rail, tyre and brake wear, and we are working to tackle those too, but the toxic byproducts of burning hydrocarbon fuels will be eliminated from roadside and rail. Yeah, well, we all we all buy into this. Um, yeah, the, the, the 7 to £10 billion pounds per annum uh, impacts from, you know, noise and stress. Um, so, well, there's a lot of stuff here. So they're talking about the co-benefits here. This whole section seems to be co-benefits. So this is, we don't need to talk, I'm not going to dwell on the benefits because we all, everyone in this call should know them right uh so air quality noise congestion health jobs and growth lovely yeah um there we are yes 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 benefit could do carbonization do not stop with roads rail is already the greenest form of motorized transport yep um grow the network make it easier to use and simpler and cheaper to run okay trains are faster quicker to accelerate more reliable much cheaper to run yes they are uh, there'll also be a role for new traction technologies like battery and hydrogen trains, on some lines where they make economic and operational sense. Okay, well, that seems like the tentativeness about the alternative traction that I'm hoping for. Um, 2050 is so unambitious, though. I'm sorry, it's just it's deeply unambitious. We need to be bringing that forward as much as we can. Because um, otherwise, if you have such an unambitious target, people, governments will just keep waiting and hoping that the next person will do the work. Um so they talk a bit about aviation, a bit about R&D, data, enabler, fundamentally better means transformational changes, uh, not impossible. Okay, fine, whatever. Here's a nice picture. Air pollution, noise, health and obesity, uh, wider cost of society um, uh, as a result of uh, our current transport you know, status quo. Okay, uh, so they talk about, there's lots of nice stats here that you know we can pull out, but we want to know what's going on. We want to actually know what's being proposed. So we're going to, you know, this is the, the meat of it. Now we're into 1B. Section 1B, how will we deliver this? Themes to 2050. Okay, themes. So so we've I've, I've already warped this picture of the number one, number two, number three. Accelerating modal shift, decarbonizing road, and decarbonizing goods. These are the three. Um, and then some other, oh, there's four, five, and six, which is UK is a hub for green transport technology innovation. Five, place-based solutions to emissions reduction. Uh, is that to do with spatial planning? It doesn't look to be, does it? No. And reducing carbon in a global economy. This is a kind of an important thing. It's like all the stupid, stupid people who go, oh, there's no point in us doing any sort of carbon reduction because China emits all of, uh, all of the all emissions and, and India. Yeah, yeah. Just have a look at how many manufactured goods in this country are manufactured in China. Uh, what's that? Oh, yeah, like what? 90% of them? Okay, yeah. Uh, those are our emissions, folks. The coal that gets dug out of Australia and burned in China is the US and the UK and Europe's responsibility. 
to a huge proportion. Anyway, right. So here are our, the priorities. Are we going to dwell on these? You know what? I'm not going to dwell on these. Fine. Okay. Yes. Priority one. Yes. Priority two. We've, we've talked about these. Fine. Ah, whatever. The reason I'm swizzing over these is because we want to see the meat on the bones. We want to get to the important part. 1C, the impact of this plan on transport emissions. Well, hopefully reduce them, right? Uh, <laughs> you'd hope. So here's some pictures showing... What, what, what is this showing? This is decarbonizing transport... Domestic transport GHG emissions projections versus the baseline. So the baseline is the blue. The green is the decarbonisation projection to 2050. And you can see that there's a bit done and then it's sort of fairly slow and steady and then it rap starts rapidly accelerating again in the, in the 2040s. Hmm. Uh, there's some short-term COVID uncertainty based, I presume, on whether we have a car-based recovery or not. Yeah. Um, and then this one is domestic and international. So you can see the number has gone up by 20 million tonnes of CO2 equivalent at per annum. That's jumped upwards. So you can see just how trivial the change is. 1990, and it's just basically stayed the same. It's pathetic. It really is. And actually, then, if you account for this is the important one. If you account for the international shipping and international aviation, you can see that transport emissions have got substantially worse since I was born. Uh, so that's why, this is, that's why Greta talks about... Uh, playing with the numbers to make us ourselves feel good. She's specifically talked about this problem and, it, and addressed it towards the UK, actually. Her speech she did recently was really good. Anyway, right, there we go. So you can see it gets even broader and wider, and hmm, we'll see. Okay, that that's that. Right, that's the end of part one. There's no value, no meat in there. While we've got to the end of that, what are the questions? Let's, let's see what's going on. Um, Place-based solutions equals NIMBYs can reject everything. Okay, maybe, maybe not. Uh, Jermaine is saying, the thing is, I feel like we'll still miss the net zero by 2050 target. Well, indeed, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, James P. I wish they'd shift from accelerating to inducing because we're not actually seeing any net modal shift at the moment. Yeah, we're not. We're seeing the shift in the other direction, the opposite thing. It's, it's a disastrous shift. We're seeing more people traveling by road in cars. Hopeless. Um, yeah, conveniently, Richard, you're right. None of the um, reductions have to happen while Boris is in office. Yeah, well, indeed. Um, anywho, right, okay, let's do this thing. Are we all, how are we doing? We've got 22 minutes to get through this section two. How are we going to manage it? Uh, oh, that juice is very, very good. Strongly recommend you make uh, elderflower cordial for yourselves, everyone. It's just delicious. Right, let's do this thing. Here are pictures that are pretty, but don't provide us much use for what we're actually wanting to talk about. So... The start here, this is increasing cycling and walking. This is this is what they've started with. So we're in 2A, decarbonizing all forms of transport, and we're going to talk about increasing cycling and walking. That's the fundamental thing they talk about. Good, because it's the most important thing we can do is get more people uh, walking and cycling. Absolutely fundamentally. So what are the things we've got here? There's lots of nice things they're talking about. By 2040, we'll have a world-class cycling and walking network in England. Uh, TBC, frankly. Two billion over the next five years to deliver a bold future vision for cycling and walking. Okay, well, continue to be bold talking about, but two billion is pennies, and they, and we're planning deliver a bold future vision. Stop delivering the vision. Start delivering the physical stuff. We know what the answers are. Oh my goodness me. Anyway, this is going to be the theme of this, isn't it? It's the theme with it every time. It's like audit, check, trial, think. Well, yeah, but we should have been doing that. In, for, through the 1990s and we haven't been 
Um, anyway, right. And we've also, this government's had till since 2010 to get on with this stuff. You know, it's not. Ugh. Anyway, um, here we go. The, so they talk about congestion. They're showing how many people are using like roads versus cycleways and the benefits of all this stuff. And to be fair to central government on cycling, it's certainly in London, they have been hitting the boroughs and, and some other councils outside of London. Central government has been hitting some councils pretty hard for removing temporary cycleways. They, 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 and all credit to them for that. Um, this is a lot of graphics and not a lot in the form of actually explaining what's going on. Right, okay, here's a commitment. So this is the first commitment we're seeing. We will deliver the Prime Minister's bold vision for cycling and walking. Oh, okay, so this is just saying they're going to do gear change. Okay, fine. We need to do, We haven't gone through gear change, have we? We need to go through gear change at some point. I know it's not railways, but cycling is part of the picture, folks, so it's really important. Um and actually, gear change covers walking as well. So this is the two billion over five years with the aim that half of all journeys in towns and cities will be cycled or walked by 2030. So that's the commitment there. The aim that they've committed to their, to having an aim that half of all journeys in towns and cities will be cycled or walked by 2030. Well, okay. Uh, strong words. The next commitment. We will deliver a world-class cycling and walking network in England by 2040. So they've got 10 years then to deliver that network that they've magically planned for. Uh, oh, anyway, yeah, a little more, 20 years. I'm getting confused. It's 2030 for half of all cities, city journeys being walking and cycling anyway. Um, so this is, so what are they going to do? Comprehensive cycling and walking networks in all large towns and cities and widespread delivery of measures to enable cycling and walking in local areas such as school streets, cycle training to all children and adults that want it, behaviour change through targeted personal incentives such as GP prescribing. Oh, I don't like the sound of that. Existing tax reliefs and rewards programs. Okay. Hmm. Uh, overcoming known barriers. Just build segregate cycleways, folks. You don't. Uh, anyway. Um, something. I don't know whether. I don't know whether. Um, like bike to work has actually helped. I'd be interested to see the stats, but I bet it's just meant that people who would have cycled anyway have gained tax benefits when they probably could afford to just buy a normal bike anyway. Uh, I certainly count myself in that. I could have bought, but I used. I used um bike to work to pay for my road bike, which I adore. I could have just bought that road bike myself. There was no tangible benefit to me using it, and actually, so I, and I anyway. Oh, um, Josephine is pointing out some very interesting stuff. Uh, so what? Look at what Josephine's saying in the chat, everyone. Uh, for those of you listening in podcast only form, you can't. You have to go to the YouTube to get these benefits. Half of all journeys by those living in towns and cities to allow inward outward travel by car, as is Devon County Council's plan. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, let everyone else still drive in and out of the city. Absolutely. So internal city. Yeah, this is a very good point. This is where the nuance of what that target has to be, and it has to be picked up and driven by both government and lo both local and national government. Absolutely. Um, right. Anyway, let's keep going. So these are the projections. That I just okay, fine. Uh, that just doesn't really mean anything to me. Million stage. I don't, yeah, I'm not sure. A range for potential increase in the active travel stages in England due to future spending above. Okay. Each journey comprises one or more stages, with a new stage beginning where there is a change in the mode of transport. Ah, okay. I don't quite know what they're saying here in this, but this just looks a bit waffly. Mm, it's not. So basically, it's just saying we're going to do gear change. Isn't that going to be wonderful? Okay, fine. Well, I've we'll we'll get to gear change at some point in a future episode. But uh, again, it's targets and plans and no action. Right here we go. So buses, and we talked about uh, we talked about bus back better. So I'm not sure how long we'll have to spend on this one. 
Um, the average coach between London to Edinburgh saves the current 15 cars worth of emissions. I wonder how many uh, trade anyway, yeah, whatever. Uh, yep, these are truth. We love buses. Lovely. What's the commitment that they've been here? Okay, so it's the, the bus, the national bus strategy, vision of transport bus industry. Well, we, we know about bus back better. Consultant modernizing the bus service operators. Well, we know about that. Uh, we'll support delivery of 4,000 new... Yeah, we know about that as well. This is all bus back better stuff. Commitment will deliver the first all electric bus town or city. Was that in bus back better? I don't remember if it was. Um, who's chasing for it? Oh, Coventry uh, have been selected for it. So um, WMCA... Uh, not the y, not to be confused with the YMCA, of course. Um, they've got 50 million quid to make all of the, uh, Coventry's buses electric. Well, that's nice. And look, here's York again. We've got our zero-emission park-and-ride fleet. Um, we do have a lot of electric buses in York. It's good. Uh, we're consulting on a phase-out date for the sale of new non-zero-emission buses. Have they not actually committed to it? We're consulting on a phase-out date. Just announce one. Just say it's 2030. Just say it's 2026. I don't know. Just announce one. Stop. Uh, okay. Consult on a phase-out date for the sale of new non-zero emissions coaches. Okay, fine. Uh, they're different coaches a long distance, so they're a bit more challenging because they've got different patterns of operations. So that that is a bit of a, a that that I can understand me a bit more complex. But we know about electric buses. Just announce just announce the date of twenty twenty eight or twenty thirty. Buses get renewed frequently enough. It's fine. Just do that. Um, so there we go. So this is the decarbonisation of bus and coaches. It's depressing, isn't it? The baseline is just rubbish and. You know, this is this is the dude, the thing is the baseline is is our current trajectory. We haven't changed anything yet. The government hasn't actually done anything, so that is the current trajectory. Anyway, um, okay, so that was buses. There we're getting onto this 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 thing. It's a railway. That feels like what a lot of us are here to see. Uh, I'm going to catch any questions if they're here. Uh, David Shepherd says if the government really wanted to promote cycling, they should require VIN numbers on bikes and require all police forces used to register to, to return stolen bikes. Um. Bicycle frames do have the equivalent of a VIN number, actually. You should all go onto your bicycle and write down the code that is on the bike frame. They all have it. So there is a VIN number equivalent. VIN number is the thing that's printed. You'll see there's a VIN number on the inside of your glass windscreen in your car and also one on the on the inside metalwork. Um, bikes do have that, David. Um, and yes, so agreed on that. Uh, Michael C., I feel like there's too much emphasis on electric buses and not enough on trolley buses. The government has zero interest in trolley buses. Um, it involves physical infrastructure. They're not interested. They, th they think uh, battery does the job fine. Yeah, it's going to take a regional operator uh, to, 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 to take that leap, I'm afraid. Uh, particularly as there are new trolley buses being announced. They, they continue to exist. The city will be the city. No, 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 it's Coventry. Uh, Richard. Uh, Richard also is saying a lot of this seems to reflect the government's lack of knowledge to be an informed customer to the transport industry. I doubt they'll vigorously challenge what the industry says. Well, ever is that true? Um, uh, let's see. Let's, there's some people. Our ward voted against changes in the consultation, but they went ahead anyway. Okay, right. Uh, to encourage people to cycle, you need to protect them on the main arterial roads. Well, absolutely, yeah. So here we go. Let, let's let's go through there. So there's lots of nice pictures, but let's have a look at. Uh, by the way, there is the rail decarbonisation doodad, but let's see what they're saying here. So this is these are the critical commitments. We're going to pay much closer attention to this railway bit because not because I don't value the other things, but because we're going to look at gear change in more detail. And we've already looked at bus back better in a previous episodes. So I'm not going to dwell on it. We are going to dwell on this in a bit more detail. So commitment number one: we're delivering net zero railway by 2050. Uh, with sustained carbon reductions in rail along the way, uh, ambition is to remove all diesel-only trains by 2040. Okay, okay. 
Uh, that's quite a long time away, but anyway. Um, okay, this is interesting. So there's some. I'm going to try. There's lots of interesting things jumping out and, and biting me in the nose here that are kind of interesting. Uh, they've they quote some electrification. They proudly quote 700 track miles of electrification in England and Wales. Uh, yeah, but you cancelled it all. So you could have kept it going anyway. One in every 10 miles travelled in England in 2019 was by rail, but the government wants to increase in the future uh, by making our railways even better. That's basically saying that there's a 10% modal share in rail. Yeah, um, 700 track miles is, is nothing. Yes, it is. And there have been no live electrification projects, um, as in active ones that aren't just finishing off in the last three years. So it's a bit of a, a cheap shot, frankly. Um Right, so let's read this thing. Green motor transport. Yep, 38% network are already electrified. Okay, great starting point. More to do. As we stated, the William Shatter plan for electrification, a proven existing technology, is likely to be the main way of decarbonizing the majority of the network. Good. That's that. They've written that down. It's actually there. Good. Electrification does not merely decarbonize existing railway journeys. It has a clear record of attracting new passengers to rail. The so-called Sparks effect. The Sparks effect gets a mention. Um, actually, Dr. David Turner uh, highlights that this is that the, the idea of a Sparks effect is perhaps a bit of a a, a bit of a fictional gimmick. Um, but there are like the, 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 the you know there are other factors at play. But but certainly it is the case that there are. Um, correlations, if not causative links, uh, between electrified rail, you know, electric trains and more passengers. Um, that's also decarbonizing journeys previously done by road, thanks to the Sparks effect. We'll also pursue options for electrifying the remaining diesel pockets of the third rail network. Further electrification schemes will be announced shortly. They could have announced them yesterday or last year or three years ago, but nope, they're going to announce them shortly. That's irritating. The rail freight market has changed significantly over the last 20 years with a shift from the dominance of coal uh, to intermodal and construction traffic flows. Well, we know all about that from last week. The geography of rail freight has subsequently changed with the consolidation of rail freight on, an already, partial, on already partially electrified routes. This means that relatively short stretches of new info electrification could allow a significant rise in the electric college of freight. This is a very good observation. I'm glad this has been picked up. Um, lots of people doing a lot of work uh, in various uh, industry groups highlighting that there is a, quite a small amount of electrification that can be done to result in a massive shift of freight from Class 66s to nice, actual, proper, modern trains. Um, we look, oh, here we go. So this is the danger bit. Uh, I've got the word technology klaxon going off in my uh, in my ears. We will exploit newer technologies such as hydrogen and battery trains. Okay, yeah. By deploying the most appropriate technology for each route across the network, we will continue to improve rail's performance, providing more reliable services for users that offer significantly lower running costs. Okay. Network Rail. That was some delicious cordial, by the way. Hopefully I'm making you all jealous, right? Um, network Rail, working with a wide group of rail industry stakeholders, to develop the TDNS. Hooray, the TDNS! With recommendations on which technology to, de to deploy on each route. We will use the Traction Decarbonisation Network strategy to guide our work with partners across the rail sector to deliver an affordable... It's not very good. I'd, I'd be self-correcting if I was writing this. To deliver an affordable, deliverable programme. Well, uh, anyway, to fully decarbonise our railway, fine. I'm not going to pick on their English too much. Um, again, we did the, we've done the TDNS. Uh, and, okay, it was a draft version, uh, but we did the TDNS episode. It was a big beast... 
Um, I'm glad we did look at it. It was it was worthwhile. It was absolutely worthwhile uh, going through that in detail. It's a very detailed, very good document. Very very difficult to argue against it. And of course, there have been subsequent documents supporting it from RIA and others as well. Um, so this is uh, talking about GBR, uh, responsible for identifying the right technology for the right part of the network. Yes, delivering necessary infrastructure, commissioning the right train services, net zero. Yeah, yeah. Um, GBR will also improve how the railways run the trains on time, simple fares, and a railway that is more accessible for all. Well, as we've talked about in the news, uh, that may may or not be true. Uh, making rail travel easier, simpler, better. May, yeah, modal shift. Yeah, good stuff. So they're talking about modal shift. Good. I'm glad they're seeing that. But is it a commitment? It's just a general commitment there still. This is not actually any particular detail. They've not said we will. What I'm, what I'm frustrated by is that this document has not said we will deliver 600 single track kilometers of electrification until 2050. They could have and they haven't. And that annoys me a lot because they could. We've got the evidence now, the data to commit and these commitments are anything but commitments, frankly. Anyway, the next one, oh, here we go. So this is another one. So long-term government investment in rail can stimulate regeneration, support employment opportunities, as well as helping to meet our global climate goals through projects such as electrification of existing lines. For example, the integrated rail plan will set out how best to deliver and sequence HS2, Northern Powerhouse Rail, and other major rail schemes. Yeah, but when are we going to see the IRP? Come on, folks. Whoosh. Um... What's more people saying? I'm seeing lots of... Uh, there we go. Uh, oh, this... Yeah. Um, there's some, LTNs are good. Stop saying they're not good. Whoever's in the chat saying they're not good. Um, we'll deliver an ambitious, sustainable and cost-effective program of electrification guided by Network Rail's TDNS. Okay, so they've not committed to anything. They've just said guided by the TDNS, which is at least they've said it. At least they've said ambitious, sustainable, cost-effective program of electrification. They've not said rolling, but that, that's what they mean. They mean a rolling program of electrification, which is good. Also, they are quoting the TDNS, saying estimates that by 2050, 97% of emissions could be removed given the assumed levels of electrification, hydrogen and battery technology. So, interesting. Uh, I mean, just do more to make the 3% go away, right? <laughs> you know? Anyway. Uh, removing diesel trains reduces air. Okay, we know all this stuff. We know all the benefits. We want to see the commitments. We will announce further electrification projects shortly. Uh, they are saying sustained program will present opportunities to develop supply chain capacity. Yet true. Ensuring the lessons of previous schemes are learned and that individual projects deliver value for money. Okay, well, you, the, the, deliver, the value for money is delivered over the fact that it's a rolling program, not comparing projects against each other. And this is the mistake that has already been made, um, is, that in, is, that some, is that they've looked at the TDNS and panic stations have gone up because government's gone, oh, those prices are too high. We're getting single track kilometre costs that are very high. It's like, well, yeah, because some of these big ticket Midland Mainline and, 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 and other projects are going to be expensive because they've got big complicated things the price then comes down dramatically on some of the other stuff that doesn't require you to do the big bottleneck because the big main line has the big bottleneck on it so they're trying to they're trying to they seem to have misinterpreted the um the cost effect you know the, the electrification cost challenge that Rio did ages ago from you can get the average to be this to every kilometer of railway should be this it's like no no you're not going to get a million quid per single track kilometer um it's not going to happen for every single kilometre. You're going to have some that are more, and you're going to have some that are quite a bit less. It balances out. Um, TDNS hacked down by Treasury, says Owen O'Neill. Uh, possibly. 
guided by the TDNS. Yeah, that does it says guided by. But if they've got a rolling program, then at least it, if if they actually commit to a proper rolling program, then um, uh, ugh, anyway, let's have a look. So here's another commitment. We're supporting the development of battery and hydrogen trains. We'll deploy them on the network as we decarbonize. Yeah, do it soon because the but there are projects for hydrogen and battery trains that aren't progressing because government is not funding them. Fund them. Uh, just pay the train. Just order those trains. Get them running. Porterbrook want to get their Hydroflex running. They want Hydroflex 2 to be out on the network so they can bomb test it, so they can just hammer it and learn how it can work, how it can be improved. Um, I don't really know what to add, really, on this section. It's the technology side of it. Fine. Um, here's the TDNS. Here's the TDNS map. They've actually put the map in, so this shows that they that they are following that. Um, yes, there we go. The, the, what I'm not liking is say is is seeing this. It will be updated as technology develops. Um, I don't like that at all. That, to me, is a treasury line that has been added because they want to use technology to get out of doing it. They're expecting that to come down. They're expecting the green lines, which, if we remember from the TDNS episode of the electrification lines, they're expecting those to disappear and the purple and yellow lines of hydrogen and battery, respectively, to expand. I don't like that sentence at all. It's clearly been added by treasury. It's horrible and should be deleted. No, what you're not going to do is update this as technology develops. You're going to continue to electrify because electrification is still the best way to do this stuff. Ugh, anyway. Um, right. Ella, your rabbit says hello. Good. I'm glad. Um, yeah. Daniel Smith, if they scrap the fuel duty freeze, half the funding would appear practically overnight. You know what I'm going to do right now? Fuel duty. Uh, that would be... Oh, dear. Fuel duty differential, that's not relevant. Uh, we'll get there. And that would be... No other mentions of fuel duty. Amazing. So they're not going to uh, put fuel duty back to where it should be. Fantastic. Um... Can we not have uh, boring uh, low traffic neighborhood chat in the chat, please? Because uh, those ba the, the, the Twitter is for the discourse, not uh, not the chat. Thanks. Um, right. So uh, commitment: we are building extra capacity in our rail network to meet growing passenger and freight demand and support significant shifts from road and air to rail. That's true, and I'm glad they're talking about capacity as a major driver. It's a shame this isn't first rather than second, but anyway. Um, yes, here we go. HS2 has already committed to phase one and two A. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where does it say phase two? It doesn't. Uh, tactical. In line with the Prime Minister's announcement in February 2020, the IRP will be published and it will set out how we'll do the later stages of HS2 and Northern Powerhouse Rail differently to deliver benefits for passengers sooner. HS2 will operate as a high-capacity, high-frequency intercity service on dedicated lines. Um, by building HS2 and running intercity train services on the new line, HS2 will free up train paths and platforms across the heavily congested West Coast Main Line for additional local cross-country and commuter services and will provide additional passenger capacity on the East Coast and Midland Main Lines. I mean, it should have put heavily congested... Like, all of those are heavily congested, anyway. S still this view that... There's still a bit of this strange view that HS2 is just a bypass for the West Coast Main Line. It's problematic. 
HS2 will be an integrated part of Great Britain's future rail network, unlocking benefits for passengers across the country when combined with other major rail schemes. This will encourage even more people to take journeys by rail. Yes. By taking some some long-distance passenger trains off the southern part of the West Coast mainline, HS2 will also release spare capacity, some of which will could support our commitment to expand opportunities for rail freight operators to grow and develop. I love this. You can see the battles that are going on by the spelling mistakes, some of which will... No, someone else has said some of which could, and then they've just left both in um, because they couldn't decide. Brilliant. Uh, excellent work, DFT. Absolutely fan-dabby-dozy. Wonderful. Um, yeah, this is weird. Like, it's not just... It's not. It's not just the southern part of the West Coast mainline. What What are they on about? It's just a bit weird. A bit weird. This whole paragraph is weird. It's strange. Uh, right. So that was another commitment. It was, it was just a broad, generic. There will be projects. Won't they be wonderful? Uh, com next commitment is we will work with industry to modernise fares, ticketing, retail. Okay. Well, this is William Schatz. We don't need to go through this again. Commitment, we will improve rail journey connectivity to the walk and cycle and other modes of transport. This kind of, we've seen this stuff. Um, yeah, that's, we've, we've been there. We've, we've looked at that in the in, in William Shafts. We're kind of, yeah, fine. Um, better integration, yes, 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 yes. Increase the amount of space, bikes on track. Yeah, this is all just stuff pulled straight out of. Here's a nice cycling rail scheme in Ashford. Look, it's a proper cycling hub, more of these. There was one in Leeds. It's still there. It's a funny shape. I don't know how much cycle parking there is in that one, though. Um, freight services, right, here we go. This is interesting. So the rail freight market has been transformed in the past quarter century. Yeah, we've, we've yeah we know that. Yeah, fine. Commitment: We will introduce a rail freight growth target. That is interesting. And I know I'm normally moaning about targets, but that's actually just an interesting. Uh, that's actually just an interesting one. That's actually that's actually something that doesn't exist that would be quite interesting if they set a, a specific target to grow rail freight. That would be good, but it have to it would have to be tied. It couldn't be on its own because otherwise then you'd just be driving more emissions. It would have to be tied to a con uh, commensurate reduction in road freight. Otherwise, it would be no use. We will incentivize the early take up of low carbon traction for rail freight. Okay, fine. So they're going to try and encourage a bit of electrification. Blah blah blah. Uh, yeah. They develop further interventions, help freight operating companies have the confidence they need to invest in replacing current rolling stock. Yeah, yeah. This is the big problem. Okay, yeah, so there's little things like stop-start technology and all sorts of little tiddly-diddlies that you can play with that, that reduce emissions a bit. But, um, electric locomotives, yeah, short infill electrification projects could quickly deliver benefits and enable, yeah, I'm glad they're talking about these infill bits. By filling in electrification gaps to key ports and terminals, we can open new opportunities for electric journeys, freight journeys. Uh, as freight electrification is rolled out further, additional electric locomotives will be required to supplement those already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's all fine and good stuff. There's a nice picture of London Bridge. Yeah. Um, decarbonizing transport rail GHG projections versus the baseline. So, uh, as ever, it's a pretty straight line from where we are now to zero-ish by 2050. With all these graphs, they've got the, the fuzziest, lowest point, the most optimistic outcome as the zero, and, and that's and that's what they're relying on, rather than aiming for the, them to do policies that will put the middle thing to land at zero. But anyway, I mean, the thing about these baselines, presumably these are based on policy projections and and consequences so what would be nice is if they actually published a specific timeline showing yeah tom sedgman exactly you're not seeing any we will do x in y years 
if they actually they, they clearly have come up with some idea to to create this plot i wish they'd put that in and make that the report and say this is when we'll have done this by this is when we'll have done this by and then they can be audited against it we can hold people to account yeah i just yeah frustrating um so there we go so that's that was rail that's it that that's, that's it that's that's all there is for rail um what is it? It's, it's eight o'clock. So we finished the rail bit by eight o'clock. How much more is there? I mean, that, that's page eighty-six of uh, how many pages are there? Some page eighty-six. Oh, we've been halfway through. You know, the, close your eyes if you don't like flashing lights. Uh, you know, there's a lot there. <laughs> okay. Uh, fine. Okay, let's uh, let's put this back up here and then let's have a look. So, uh, zero emission fleet of cars, vans, motorcycles, scooters. Well, this is all bump. Um, removing tailpipe emissions, blah, blah, blah. So this seems to be... So they put this later than the other thing. Fine, good. But are they basically planning on... You know, so talking about EV charging devices, yep, these are hopeless. Wales is useless. Scotland's useless. Uh, Central Belt is okay. London's okay. And that's about it. I had a little trip out with Gary Keenor in his uh, electric uh, He Who Shall Not Be Named... And um, it was interesting because yeah, hunting even even there, hunting for the right charging device is a pain. And then we were with other friends who've got an electric car. The challenge they have is find is they've got to have about twenty different cards to to pay for the blinking charging when it should just be contactless and everyone there should be a unified system that everyone charges from the same thing. Simple. Um, so that needs fixing. So I'm interested to know if they talk about that anywhere because that's a key blocker to take up is the fact that you've got to have 16 different cards and logins and all sorts to be able to actually go in and charge your vehicle up this is stupid you should be able to pay for the you can have different solutions in the same way that you have different companies that sell petrol but you should all be able to pay for it in exactly the same way contactless with a credit card you know you should be able to pay at pump essentially you know that that style of like don't have to log in and do a stupid thing you just pay for the electricity you just used in the same way that you would if you were filling up your regular car um so the, the government is supporting the market-led development of a charging infrastructure network to meet drivers needs well it's failed so far sorry absolutely failed the other challenge with this is if everyone's got electric cars um uh, if everyone's got electric cars on the on their driveway, then how many, or, or rather not on their driveway, but out on the street, how many blinking cables does that mean strung out everywhere, making pavements impossible for people to wheel, walk, cycle along? Uh, oh, people shouldn't be cycling on pavements, but you know, you know what I mean. Particularly for wheelchair users or people with buggies or, you know. Ugh. Um, circular economy for electric vehicle battery. This is all nice bump, and I, I suppose... I'm not going to dwell much on the EV stuff because, first, the I mean that's a lot of bump and no commitment. The first commitment is we will consult on. Wait a minute before I say that. Reading our energy system. So this, uh, they're not really talking about. They're not really going into the fact that they. There's not really much about payments and. Anyway, okay, let's let's talk about this commitment. Uh, we will consult on regulatory options, including zero emission vehicle mandates to deliver petrol and diesel phase-out dates for new vehicles. They've not actually decided on those yet. So they haven't actually decided. I thought they had committed to these. Oh, they had, yeah, by 2030. Okay, yeah. Uh, okay, you can hear some kids playing outside, by the way. That's nice, isn't it? 
Um, ugh. So that's one commitment. Uh, so these they're breaking down the commitment. Um, zero emissions heaviest by twenty. Okay, there's a lot of there's a lot of detail in here. There's no point in us breaking down. Um, we have published a zero emission cars and vans delivery plan. Commitment. Well, that's that's a great commitment. You have committed to doing a thing they've already done. Wonderful. Commitment. We will continue to support demand for zero emission vehicles through a package of financial and non-financial incentives. Um, I've, haven't they scrapped a load of these? Green number plates were introduced. Uh, okay. What's the value of green number plates, by the way, folks? Someone tell me what the use of those is, other than it just being... A, has it got any measurable beneficial impact? Um... Yeah. Um, David Shepard saying, what would be nice uh, would be a government commitment to make uh, to provide 100% EV support at railway station car parks. Yeah, that'd be nice. Mm. Right. Continue to support demand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, continue to support demand for zero emission vehicles for package. Okay, I've talked. I've said that one. We'll consult this year on a phase-out date of 2035 or earlier if a faster transition appears feasible for the sale of new non-zero emission powered two and three wheelers. So if you can swap your Reliant Robin out for a, um, sorry, your Robin Reliant uh, out for a uh, for a, a new uh, three wheeler, then great, do that. Okay. Uh, we'll deliver an action plan this year to build new UK opportunities for zero emission light powered vehicle light powered vehicles. Uh, but I, oh, light powered vehicles, as in motorbikes. Okay, I was like, like light powered. What? Uh, we will lead by example. Twenty five percent of the government car fleet ultra low emission by twenty two December twenty two, and one hundred percent of the government fleet by twenty seven. Okay. Um. Fine. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know why it can't. Uh, I mean, yeah, that is actually quite a major ask. So fair enough. We will ensure the UK's charging infrastructure network meets the demands of its users. Uh. We welcome the acceleration of private investment. Okay. But are they going to unify the way that people pay for these? Are they going to talk about that at all? Nope. Uh, we're introducing... Okay, let's go through these regulatory measures. We're introducing a range of regulatory and other measures to ensure the charging network meets users' needs. Uh, needs. Um, to support motorists making longer journeys in EVs, the government's rapid charging... Uh, okay, investing, upgrading grid capacity at service areas across motorways and aeroads. Yeah, that's a major issue. Like, you can have one super fast charger and that uses all the electricity for a service station. Um, so this is one of the, th the issues across the UK is that if everyone's moving to electric cars, like DNO supplies, like the, the dis distribution network operators just haven't got the kit, the infrastructure to provide the juice to these service stations, particularly in rural areas. Uh, there just isn't the electricity provision. There's, there, there isn't the chunky electricity pipe pumping enough electricity into that part of the country. Um, so that it's a serious issue. You know, that requires a massive rethink uh, and basically a, sh a dump ton of, uh, of heavy infrastructure work. For households unable to charge at home, on-street residential schemes supports local authorities in installing EV infrastructure on-street and in public car parks. This worries me, I have to say. Uh, new 90 million local EV infrastructure fund to do will support the rollout of larger on-street charging schemes. Okay, crucial role that local authorities must play. Um, we will publish an EV infrastructure guide for local authorities. Okay, properties with dedicated off-street parking. Okay, the process and cost of connecting charging infrastructure to the electricity network can be a major barrier to rollout. Working with Ofgem and others to to make this 
quicker, fine. Plan to regulate later this year for all new build residential and non-residential buildings with an associated parking space to have a charge point. Oh, that's annoying. We could have had a charging point if it had been for that um, on our new build. We also plan to regulate this year on measures to improve the consumer experience of public charging. We'll open up public charge point data, improve the reliability of the network, streamline the payment methods offered to drivers. Ah, that's good. And increase pricing, pricing transparency. That is good. Um, yes, good. And we will regulate later this year to ensure charging infrastructure is smart. I don't know what that means. To help delay or reduce the need for new electricity generation or network infrastructure investment, reducing costs for all bill payers. Right, okay. Don't really know what the value of that bullet point is, but anyway. Um, oh, uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, they were talking about green number plates being allowed in bus lanes. Yeah, that's stupid. Uh, makes no bloody sense. Uh, let's see. Uh, payment benefits bottom of the page. Yeah, thanks, Zara55. We got there in the end, didn't we? Uh, Xander, uh, could we tie in power supply rebuilds for rail electrification with power supply provision free V charges? Yeah, defos. Gordon, are you in here? You can probably talk a little bit about that. Um, uh, the Euro shuttle needs to charge EVs on the journeys on the channel. Yeah, that's a good idea. But again, that would require a dump ton of extra electricity on a train that already has quite high hotel power uh, demand. Okay, commitment. We will support and nurture innovation in the UK automotive sector. Well, I'm sure everyone wants that to happen, but uh, yeah. Oh, I do like the Honda E. Oh, it's a gorgeous little car. Love that. Um, okay, lots of text. Not a lot of use. What are they saying? Okay, fine, innovation, lovely. We'll invest 50 million uh, in 21-22 to help address the backlog in traffic signal maintenance to improve traffic flow and reduce emissions. For all those not benefiting, I'm staring once again at the camera lens. This time I'm frowning. Uh, yes and no, mixed feelings on this. Like, yes, uh, but also increasing traffic flow induces demand, which means more people driving which means more carbon emissions. Hmm. We will review the National Network's National Policy Statement. Okay, I don't know what that means particularly. What is that? Oh, roads. Oh, National Networks. Oh, a, the primary route network. Okay, fine. There are their wonderful projections. Notice that they're very wide and broad, and then they seem to magically narrow at the bottom there. Interesting. Uh, yeah, okay. Maritime decarbonisation. Well, we're going to have to flick through this at high speed, but um, it'd be interesting to see what they say. Uh... By 2050 or earlier, net zero, and they've got a big hydrogen thing there. Hydrogen and battery, hydrogen actually particularly, is not necessarily creating for maritime because they've got much more space. I mean, I say that, but they're still fighting for every inch, you know, every uh, inch cubed of space they've got. So you know, maybe that's just me as a rail person saying that. Right, here we go. How much is there in, in maritime? Yeah, there we go. Not not a huge amount. What are their commitments? Plot a course to net zero for the UK domestic maritime sector with indicative targets from 2030 and net zero as early as feasible. Okay, fine. We'll consult on the potential for a planned phase-out date for the sale of new non-zero emission domestic vehicles. Yeah, also fine. Um, I like the idea of, lot, of all these people who buy yogurt pot yachts that float around on the ooze and, and on rivers around Britain. Uh of all of those being electric surely that's a no-brainer right anyway uh yeah yeah you're ls pointing out the fact that there's a lot of belief in this moore's law about batteries and hydrogen for evs yeah there totally is this whole document seems to be believing in heavily believing in um the the, the idea that there is a moore's law for battery and hydrogen which there ain't moore's law being that it gets better double as good every year or whatever it was i can't quite remember exactly what moore's law is but it's about processing power of computers 
Um, accelerating decarbonisation. We will assess how economic instruments could be used to accelerate the decarbonisation of the domestic maritime sector. So this is all very woolly. Zero emission technology and infrastructure in the, in the UK for maritime. Uh, consult on appropriate steps to support and mandate the uptake of shore power in the UK. Okay. Um, good. That is a good thing because it dumped a load of horrible, these sorts of... I oh know that's just a nice ferry. Uh, well, I mean, one thing we could do is just ban the uh, cruise liner industry outright. That would uh, solve a lot of problems. It's the most horrifically polluting industry out there. It's just absolutely crazy. Um, anyway... Uh, also petri dish for coronavirus as we noticed uh, we will extend the renewable transport fuel obligation to re support renewable fuels of non-biological origin used in shipping okay um, and then internationally the UK will press for greater ambition during the 2023 review of the International Maritime Organization initial greenhouse gas strategy mouthful uh, and urge accelerated decarbonisation okay that's, I mean, it's amazing what these are stretching the definition of commitments, aren't they? Somewhat. Is anyone, is everyone, anyone noting down any of the actual like proper commitments anywhere? Uh, yeah. Uh, commitment. We will ensure we have the right information to regulate emissions and to judge the effectiveness of the steps we are taking in the UK and um, at the International Maritime Office. Is that right? Organisation. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm talking a lot and not breathing enough, which makes my body want to do a yawn. Uh, how many of you have now just yawned having seen me do that? So, um, yeah, electric ferries are becoming a thing. Uh, isn't there an electric ferry in Scotland now as well? Anyway, there's also an electric domestic flight in Scotland between, between uh, is it Orkney and the, the mainland? One of, it's, it's one of the short skips, or it could be the Bar Island one. It's one of the short skips. Um, so, yeah, fine. Right, here we are into aviation. Now, this is this is, I think, where it gets a bit bonkers because... Um, we aren't going to be electrifying aviation, certainly any jet aviation, before 2060 or 2070. Uh, that's that's what actual aviation experts are saying. Small skippy stuff, potentially, but uh, anything longer than that, no. So the idea of this Jet Zero Council, well, let's see. Let's see, shall we? Commitments, how many commitments are we getting? Clear targets to get into net zero. Commitment, they're going to consult on this Jet Zero strategy. Net zero aviation emissions by 2050. The only way they're going to do this is by made-up, fake, stupid offsetting. Um, pseudoscience. Uh, we will consult on a target for UK domestic aviation to reach net zero by 2040. Okay. The net zero here again being the... What are they... I mean, how? How? I, I just... Yeah, okay. Uh, we'll consult on time for decarbonizing emissions from airport operations in England by 2040. I mean, that's an easy one. That's a very easy thing to fix. Decarbonizing emissions from airport operations is such a quick, easy thing to do. It's mad that they're not... Um, that's still uh, still going. Crikey. Uh, don't talk about Zeppelins, anyone. Yeah, well, I'm looking at you. Um, commitment. We're supporting the development of new and zero carbon UK aircraft technology through the uh, Aerospace Technology Institute program. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are there is space for innovation here. I don't think we shouldn't be innovation innovating in that in this space because you know there is no alternative on um, there is no alternative for for a lot of journeys for traveling around the world than flying. You cannot. I can't get the train if I want to go to India or. You know, it's just not it's it's not a practical use of you know it's just not going to happen, is it? Um, and so people are going to need to fly. So we need to be looking at these technologies. But the reality is that um, it's it's yeah. 
just reduce emissions from road transport and you will solve a lot of the problems. Uh, that aviation, like the, the, the main issue with aviation is that um, in domestic aviation, the best way to reduce domestic aviation emissions is to not have any domestic flights. Anyway, um, so there's lots of consultations here, but all of them are just, we'll support UK airspace modernization. It's just, okay. Uh, UK emissions trading scheme. Ugh, lots of ugh things in this section. I have to say, There's lots of woolly words. The aviation industry has clearly had its hands all over it. Um, yeah, messy. And then this thing here, which is that they can't. That even the best projection is showing they haven't got to net zero by twenty fifty. Um, interesting. Yeah, and the worst case scenario, actually, the most optimistic. This is the worst thing. Aviation projections. Look at this. Look at this. The state of this. Baseline, it whizzes upwards. The the and the even with the decarbonisation transport projection, you're looking at the same level of emissions annually. Just dismal. Ugh. Multimodal decarbonisation and key enablers. This is section two B. Oh golly. We've only got to two B. Oh my goodness. Maybe we should split this in half and do the do another episode. Um because this is, this is, this is, maybe let's do precisely that. How much have we got left? Is this worth us flicking, let's, let's start a general, right, if you're, if you're prone to flashy images, look away now. Um, uh, I mean, I'm not doing it too flashily. The commitments, modal shift commitment, this is worth looking through and picking through. You know what, we are going to look through this again in another episode. We're going to pick this out in a, in a, a second episode, I think, because there's a lot, I, we can, I want to do a little bit of talking about what we've seen. Um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. Okay, right. So we're gonna do a second episode because I want I I don't want to dra drag this on, but I also want to, I want to look at the detail um, on this two B and two C because I think it's important, and it'd be also good to to field some of your thoughts and questions and, and look through the next section. So so let's okay. So um, thoughts. What are your thoughts? Let's go big face. What what are your thoughts, folks? Um, what are you thinking? Are you thinking? Uh, are you thinking it's ambitious? Or are you thinking it's Tell me what you think. Let's have a little. Let's have a little chat before we finish for half eight. Uh, Gregor is saying it's nice to see a graph that actually gets fuzzier with time instead of concentrating. Yeah, true. Um, Michael C. Will the second episode be next week? No, you have to wait. Well, it'll be in a. It'll be in a couple of episodes. It might well be the first episode I do back when I get back from a holiday. When am I on holiday? At some point, I've got to do some pre-records. Um, I definitely have to do some pre-records. When am I? We've got. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, I've got. Oh, it could be. To be fair, it might well be in two episodes' time. I might well do. Um, I might well do part two. In fact, I'm just putting it in the planner now. Yeah, 11th of August. I might well be. We'll do. We'll have a gap and we'll revisit. How does that sound? Um. Yeah, Simon Zev Kendler is saying it's just nowhere near ambitious enough. Yeah, absolutely. This. Gordon is saying bag of nonsense. Uh, David Shepard, no mention of carbon-free river transport. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Detora saying a bit woolly. Yeah, agree, Deirdre. Um, massive dilution since the draft. Actually, can someone do a PDF comparison between this and the draft? I'd be very interested to see that. There's a website. In fact, Gary Keener has got a website that does that. It'd be interesting to compare the two. Um, yeah, uh, there we are. They're dodging the, the issue by not committing to X percent reduction every five years. Absolutely agree. Uh, wasn't I already on holiday? Yeah, I was, but it was in Devon and it rained and we didn't see family, and so we're so I'm off to off to go and see family. Um, well, other family. I saw my grandparents, but I didn't see Dina's family. Uh, 
lack of actual meaningful commitments, Michael C says. Report seems sound enough. Uh, people are laughing about electrified motorways. It's only words to quote Boyzone. Thanks on Critical Simon. Um, Richard wants a, Richard Smith really wants a document uh, one day that makes big commitments. We'll electrify 99% of the rail network. Yeah, I know. They haven't committed to any of the, the TDNS. You remember the TDNS had those like plans. It had different plans. And they, they've not committed to any of those. Uh, Matteo is saying, the one thing I learned from the, the, the Highline chat was that they were aiming for a 25-year lease from Eric Rail, lol. Uh, that's my wrap-up comment. Thanks. Uh, not enough more pessimistic graphs, says Ella. Uh, there's not enough pessimism in those graphs, uh, says Ella again. Yes, pessimism. That was a beat, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it's interesting to see hints of the internal warfare going on in the DFT and, and between the DFT and other departments. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, love all your thoughts. Definitely another episode, yeah. Yeah, I think it's worth... I don't want to rush through it. We want to focus on this sort of multimodal stuff. That's kind of the big headline stuff. Actually, some of those details I wouldn't mind picking into. Um, so it'd be good to review those. I don't think anyone will mind me kind of going through and reviewing those uh, again. We did it with Shaps. I, I think a three-hour episode is too long. I want to try I'm trying my very best to make episodes one hour. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, okay, good stuff. Can't really do a compare with the draft because the dock is very different. Ah, okay, interesting, yeah. Um, it'd be, yeah, it would be interesting to kind of have a look at this. Yeah, no commitment to ban domestic... Yeah, exactly, okay. So David Shepard hits on a very good point, which is there, there are no commitments to do things like major behavioural change. There's no commitments to drive... There's no commitment to drive modal shift towards rail by a certain percentage. There's no commitment to... Um, reduce the number of domestic airline uh, the domestic flight reduce the number of domestic flights nothing like that at all there's talk of all the wonderful talk of of of, of decarbonization but nothing about you know the best way to decarbonize domestic flights is to have less not nothing at all um yeah it's uh it's interesting so uh ella's just lifting off a load of gadget bands for me thanks ella um right let us let us press on uh, yeah, the key thing that we I think we have to, like, the key thing, let's go back to miniaturized face here, small face. Key thing, remember this graphic here? Um, all this extra all this extra cost here, all of this, uh, this, this nice bar here, and I don't see any commitment to an increase in funding for transport. I don't see a major commitment to increasing the, the that, that, that's a, I didn't see a single pound, how many pound signs were there in that? Lots of talk about the little money, the, the, like there's so many number of billions, but how many, how much a year are they going to spend on decarbonisation for rail? How much a year are they going to spend on decarbonisation for road? How much are they going to spend on that charging infrastructure? So little in the way of proper commitments. Um, um, oh, Josephine, oh, say hello to your mother if uh, she's still on the phone. All of us at Rail Natter are saying hello to Josephine's mother. Hello, Josephine's mother. Um, yeah, you're getting FOMO. No, no worries. Yeah, rewatch, and we're gonna do we're gonna do a second half. Don't worry. So, um, yes, this is the the IPPRs uh, nice gif here, Ella, that uh, that shows how much extra investment is needed to meet uh, meet that. And how much is it? It's twelve billions. Twelve. This is this is my mouse. Twelve. What a bizarre style of, of font my mouse made me do. But anyway, there we are. 12 billion extra quid per annum. Per annum. Uh, that needs to be spent. And where did government... Where has government announced uh, that? Nothing at all. Nothing at all. I'm looking forward to us getting into the urban logistics stuff that I do want to talk about that's going to be in this. I'm interested to see what they're suggesting and what they're going to regulate for. So uh, the theme throughout this whole thing seems to be that we continue to need to abolish the Treasury. 
total treasury abolishment was the only way that we're going to get we've already seen some of the conflict in that report of things being washed out and things being diluted away horribly uh yeah not ideal uh i have to say it's disappointing we're gonna we're gonna see what the end says we'll see what the conclusions say at the end but that, that's a serious issue and obviously like you know obviously electrify all the things is, is a key one but but the, the key the, the the for me it's that it's that modal shift that's critical and i, I see I, I have seen no modal shift targets I saw the target of 50%. I, I did see the 50% in towns for walking and cycling. That's the only modal shift target I remember seeing, which is a good one. It's a pretty big one, but that's the only one I remember seeing. There are none about moving towards railways, none about moving away from air. Um, really not great. Uh, $230 million per week. Hells yeah, spend that big penny. Oh, right. Anyway, so... <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for watching. I'm going to get rid of my face and then go here. Uh, the podcast. Right. So people haven't been able to listen to this podcast in a timely fashion for a while because it has been broken. But we have, Ella and I have been fixing it, uh, and I need to go in and do some tweaking. Uh, actually, is it live? Wait a minute, let me just check. It is indeed mostly live. Uh, oh, it is. It, it's fine. Um, are they all in there? Ella, tell us about the... Ella, you're here. Ella, where are you? Are you here? Uh, uh, oh, this is a good point. David Shepard asks a very, very good question. If you had unlimited... Let me get my face back briefly. Hi. Uh, this question's excellent. David Shepard has asked, if you had unlimited investment, how many billions of GBP worth of projects could you do with the current number of engineers? About as much as we're doing now. Depressingly. You need the money to come for us to ramp up, but we have a chronic shortage of engineers. The way you get more engineers, you turn up the price, you turn up the the rates. That's the way you bring more people in. As as John Elledge pointed out, you know the way that uh, cynically the way you close that skills gap is by uh, is by paying engineers more. Um, I'd rather that you know and and by you know but but the other thing you know if you flood, uh, if you have lots of projects. You're going to encourage more people to join an industry because it looks more stable. There's there's, there's a lot of stuff at play, but um, yeah. Let's go back to this no-face situation. Good question from David there. Right, Ella, the developer, is telling us all about the podcast. The podcast issues have been fixed. It's not fully live. It's sort of there. Um, they're not on Pocket Casts yet, apparently, says Richard. Uh, Ella can... Yes, Ella, you can chat to Richard about that. On the, Richard, you're on the Discord, aren't you? Um, the podcast is sort of fixed. Going to be uploading the missing episodes and updating feeds you're all subscribed to within the week. There's some issues, uh, including need to tidy up some of the files, but otherwise it's all good. New feed will go live within the week. Um, there we go. Uh, Gordon is happy to do overtime. Yeah, we're all... Gordon, you're right. We're all happy to do overtime to get this stuff done. But the projects need to ramp up for us to do overtime, right? Uh Yeah. Matteo would love to retrain PM skills for the permanent way. Come join us in the dark arts of permanent way. Um, yeah, but anyway, we are theoretically. Uh, I'm going to put an asterisk here. We're, we're, we're theoretically available um, in all podcasting platforms once we've get it get it fixed. Oh, there's a big announcement on the Discord. Apparently, that's exciting. I don't even know what that is. Um, oh, the automatic posting maybe is going to work. Hooray, Ella! You're a genius. Um, we all owe you a lot. Um, right. Also, Patreon, Discord, and PayPal. These are things that are important because they are build the community. They mean that I love doing this stuff. Uh, the Discord is just such a vibrant place. So much love for that place. So much fun chat and stuff going on. Uh, I haven't forgotten Network 2050, by the way. Um, 
Uh, Network 2050 is something that I will be picking up and putting some comments into very soon. It's just that it's been a, I've, I've been charging towards um, work deadlines. And also, to be honest, Network 2050 happened a lot quicker than I expected it to. We're kind of where I expected us to be in October, November, um, and it's already kind of publishable. So that's kind of why uh, the way that my brain had worked it. We've, I, I don't want us to lose momentum on that because it's brilliant. So um, thanks to everyone who's been doing support. Well, we'll do an episode on it um, and what's been done, and we'll get some of you on to chat about what, what work has been done there because there's been some excellent stuff going on. Uh, that's all in the Discord. Patreon is how you support me to make these things happen. And indeed, um, you know, pay, the Patreon money is paying for some things to continue to happen. For example, the server space for the, the hosting of the, the podcast, for one. Um, <laughs> to, to allow to allow that dissemination and, and to grow the audience um so yeah uh hit the like button subscribe buttons because apparently that's a thing that everyone has to say uh but it does make youtube think that this is popular because no one like really i get good I, I think it gets fantastic views but you know we, we don't get big views compared to the other big transport sh channels so um you know anything that bumps us up a little bit and, and and gets more people involved in the community that enhances the quality of the discord server and so on so uh those things patreon.com slash gareth dennis gareth slash discord and paypal.me slash gareth dennis are the three addresses in the latter case just if you want to just throw loose change violently at me next episode this is what you've all been waiting for right what's gonna happen next episode well it is going to be an episode about electrifying motorways because it all got very excitable uh, and because this should be interesting and topical. Um, episode 73 will be, is electrifying motorways really a good idea? So join us for that one. It should be interesting because I visited uh, the site. I actually, I, I've got a load of footage that I'm going to drop in um, because I filmed loads of these things moving around. Uh, so we'll drop in some of that f the kind of footage. There's an interview that I did. That I, there's loads of stuff that I need to stitch together. I actually, some of you, Gordon was on, on it. Some of you, others of you might have been on it. I did a periscope uh, from an airport uh, afterwards saying what I thought and doing a bit of a Q&A that was really good. I'll maybe just, if I, I can't download it off Periscope easily because Periscope's dead now, but it is still on Twitter to be watched. So I need to work out how to download that video. I thought I had, I can't find it. In fact, I downloaded all my Periscope videos and now I can't find any of them. Uh, I'm going to work that out, and then um, I might just upload that verbatim. But anyway, there's also going to be a little snippy, clippy video about these because it's become topical. Because I need to, you know, that's, I've got no excuses now to put that up. And then there's going to be this one hour of us yammering on about them with footage behind and chatting. It'll be an open session. It should be interesting. Um, it'll be a much more traditional rail nattery episode um, because it'll be my face mostly because there's only so much footage I've got. So that should be interesting. Uh, anywho yeah gordon says it was a good periscope it was it was like the first in fact that periscope in a way that that q a session is what made me think that was good uh, maybe i should do that in a more formal setting and it ultimately that periscope probably was one of the ingredients the things that enabled me to to start doing this sort of thing because i'd start doing q a's on periscope but that one was really successful i really enjoyed it it was actually great and then um rail matter happened so there you go a bit of history for you who those of you there who don't care anyway i've had, i've now talked for an hour and 34 minutes non-stop um which is uh, amazingly uh 76 of you are still listening to me so i'm gonna leave you all in peace and quiet um i'm gonna get my my large mug up although it's me to one side one third of the way into a screen why have i i need to basically move all the junk that's collapsing down here on my I'd pick the webcam up and show you, but it would ruin my framing, wouldn't it? Part of the fun is that it's always the same framing, right? That's why I'm not going to slide it around, because I could just slide it along the monitor, couldn't I? Anyway, enough of this waffling. Um, you're all brilliant. Uh, I've had 
I've had such it's been a fun evening actually I've enjoyed that um we'll see you for uh, electrified highways next week and then part two of this uh, the week after cheerio everyone cheerio